world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about conscious performance. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Chris Plord. Chris is a Los Angeles-based conscious performance coach, consultant, speaker, and mind-body instructor who has worked with and coached well-known companies such as Walt Disney, Equinox, YPO, Tender Greens, Enterprise Car Rental, Xerox, Lululemon, and many more. By disrupting old patterns and identifying limiting beliefs, Chris guides his clients through the journey of becoming the greatest version of themselves. You can reach Chris at his website, chrisplord.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Chris. I'm so glad that you could join with me mm. today. Mm, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited, and I'm excited to be learning about this whole aspect of coaching and all of the pieces mm. parts that you put together. But is it okay if we start with your story? Because I understand you had a rough start and your dad was a little less than awesome and you grew up in a rougher part of town. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I have an awesome dad. He's, he's a great, he's, he's, he's incredible. Both my parents and they're still alive. Um, they gave me the childhood I needed to have for my growth to be the man I am today, to be the father I am today. Right. I There's love. <laughs> and, you know, I think whatever our experience is growing up, we probably mm -hmm. can come up with that same conclusion. OK, right. so I apologize to you and yeah. to your father, who was awesome and was exactly what you did. <laughs> but yes, well, that's the whole thing. I think it's, you know, a lot of the work I do with my clients is is embracing where the story it's owning their story of what it is that happened for them as opposed to what happened to them, right? And, and looking at those pieces that, that I've had in my life, you know, having, um, you know, growing up in Boston or south of Boston in a town called Brockton, um, good city, a lot of pride in that city, but it was, it was, a, it was a rough city. There was a lot of, you know, fights and, 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 and different gang related things and so on and so forth. But, you know, a lot of cities have these um, uh, things that go on, you know, it's, it's not like I looked at it going, Oh man, I need to get out of here. This is, this is, I, I, I was in sports. I was able to, you know, had some great friends. Um, it was just in retrospect, looking back, you know, I go, wow, if, if uh, I, I look at, you know, the, the kid down a couple streets down or a couple houses down that ended up committing suicide or the, the house behind us later on ended up having like this big drug raid. And, you know, you look back, you go, wow, that was kind of rough, you know, and but but those were the situations and the circumstances that allowed me to to develop certain gifts and certain um, a way of being a mindset that got me to where I, I am today. And, and I look at that, I look at, you know, um, when I, lo I lost a sister at the age of 12, right? And she was nine, almost nine. So that was a, a, a terrible thing that happened, right? But I didn't live in it and go, if that didn't happen, you know, eventually, then we'd be here. I look at it and go, what a beautiful opportunity I had to live with this, this, this special soul for nine years. And look what all the, the love and the beauty she gave me. So it was a reframing of this is horrible to what an amazing opportunity, right? To having a father, you know, that, that, that struggled with alcohol, you know, his whole life and 
to look at him and go, you know, he had a really tough childhood, so to speak. He lost his mother when he was young. And I was able to see, you know, he, nobody gave him the, the tools to be a great dad, but he was the best dad that he was, or he was for me that, 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 that he knew how to be, he did his best job. He still is doing his best job. Yeah. Everyone's doing their best job. And if I go around, I can embrace it or I can judge it. Right. And if I'm judging it, that's an unresolved trigger that I have within myself that I need to look at a little more clearly. So. Okay. This is magical. Absolutely magical. Mm -hmm. Because as you're describing these experiences and saying, isn't this a wonderful thing? And it gave me this opportunity and it gave me that opportunity. You, Chris, are leaving people without excuses. And that's kind of a harsh Mm -hmm. thing to say (laughs) hard things that we've been through losing Mm -hmm. a sister and dealing with an alcoholic father and living in a rough part of town, that these things are something that can go through you and that you can go through, but it doesn't have to define you. It's right. Right. You get to look at the, at the, the, the piece eventually, right. When you're ready to step into ownership of it. Right. And that's the one thing as a, as a coach. And when I get to work with people, they're not, people aren't always ready when you think they're ready. You know, you have to be ready to kind of go, okay, well, if it's, Today, great. Let's let's do some work and let's sharpen some of our life's tools. If it's in a month from now, fantastic. Then let me know and then we can do some work. But I can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves. If they're ready to step into freedom within them, they have to look in the mirror and say, where am I not free? Where am I waking up at four in the morning or three in the morning and going, there's that nagging thing, that situation that keeps coming up over and over again. That's your lack of freedom. So, and, and we get to identify that and say, do I want to continue feeling stuck? Do I want to continue feeling victimized? Or do I want to really step into the power and go to that place that I'm supposed to be in this life, right? Because we all have this soul's purpose, so to speak, to, to take all of those things that have happened for us And then I believe that we get to use those gifts and be in service in order to really make this place a better, better place, (laughs) right? If, if that's what we, if that's what our desire is, I think humans are, we're, we're, we're born to be in service, you know, that's what fulfills us. That is so true. Something that fulfills us. So let's back up just a teeny bit and talk about freedom. So what is freedom to you? You talked about freedom is not being stuck mm-hmm. and not being triggered. Is there more to it than that? Well, I, I think so. Um, there, there is a point for me, if I look at where I'm, I mean, there's, there's certain things that, that, that arrive in our subconscious. So I'm looking at it and going, okay, is, is anxiety showing up for you every single day when, you know, your boss you know, gets on the phone or when you come in conflict with your partner, or if you have a communication, um, 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 you're butting heads all the time. And it's like, I don't, I want to run from that. Right. It's, it's being able to look at these situations and shifting the context and go, I, I want to own this. I want to, to run towards it. I want to see the lessons within it. And that takes work. You know, it's not like you, you can't just go into a situation and go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this overnight. 
it's it, you, same same reason you can't go to the gym and get fit in one day, right? It takes work. If we want to burn new neural pathways and create new habits, it takes work. And I think the biggest mis, misconception people have is that they walk into a um, uh, uh, something they're trying to resolve within themselves. And they think because I faced it, then the next time it's going to be over. Or they say, why is this happening to me again? I thought I already dealt with this. And the, the whole thing is it's a spiral, right? And each time it just gets a little bit softer and softer and softer. It never completely goes away. But the whole point of doing the work is to bring it to a point where it's just a whisper where it doesn't affect you. It doesn't drive your decisions any longer, if that makes sense. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. So, so you're saying that the situations kind of circle and cycle around, but it becomes softer and softer until it's like an yeah. echo, until a, a shadow and you're okay. It's a whisper. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that definition of, of freedom. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think, think of a better word to describe that feeling of, of inner peace. And, and mm. that not being triggered and not being um, weighed down by those right. things in the past. Mm-hmm. There's another thing that you, that you mentioned that I just thought was so beautiful. And that is the timing and being mm. patient with people and knowing and recognizing whether or not they're ready and not trying to force someone who isn't mm-hmm. ready. And I think that's very challenging when you're in a supportive role. Like say you have a loved one who's struggling with depression or anxiety or whatever issue they might be having. And, and we want to be able to flip that light switch and make them all better. And we really can't, I think our role is to invite and to Mm -hmm. teach, Mm -hmm. not to accept responsibility for someone else's issues. And that includes in the role of a coach. It's like, you bet I can help you when you're ready to be helped. Yeah. That's right. And, and I think I learned that at a, at a, at a young age or, you know, as I went through my twenties, when, if my dad would start drinking again, you know, and it was like, I remember getting really upset and going, or getting really angry with him or being very disappointed and go, and, and then finally getting to a place where I'm like, I can't bring that energy into my family here. Right. It, it, I I'm going to love him no matter what I'm going to love him but he's making these decisions for himself. Am I going to have a hard talk with him? Sure. Am I, am I going to be like, give him truth? Absolutely. But he's making that choice and I can make the choice not to let that affect me. When my clients sign up and, and when we go on a year long coaching you know, journey together, there's work that they get to do. I'm not doing it for them. I'm here showing them the, the, the mirror. I'm giving them opportunities to really step up in their lives, right? Showing them where they're, they might be repeating the same patterns over and over and over again, right? Getting them to commit to themselves. Yes, to me, they're making agreements to me, but it's to themselves and to the life they want to live and that they deserve to live in, right? So it's, it's amazing to, to, to hold that. And I think it comes down to boundaries, right? Is setting boundaries. I love it. Tell me. And setting boundaries is not a, is not a a act of, 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 I'm going to just put this boundary up and you can't come through here. What Brene Brown says, people with the strongest boundaries have the most compassion, right? So you can have a ton of compassion for somebody, 
but putting up a boundary can be the most loving thing you do for them, for yourself, right? Saying, no, I, we made this agreement not to do this anymore. Or, you know, we'll give an example of when you drink, you can't be around the kids. You know, I know my sister did that with my dad at one point said, you know what, if you're going to drink, I don't want you around my children. That was a loving boundary, still loves them, but that was the whole point. Like, this is what we need to do in order to establish this agreement so that we can have a relationship moving forward. Because without those, it's, it just gets all muffled and gray. And when you're in the gray area of things, that's when a lot of energy just gets dispelled and you're exhausted and you don't know why. So those, those agreements are, are vital, I think, in life. I think that is magical. By creating those boundaries, and you've also talked about accepting personal accountability for ourselves, not accepting the accountability for somebody else. We feel, and you talked about this gray area, how easy it is to feel stressed and overwhelmed. And a lot of times we put the wrong burdens on our shoulders, so to speak. For example, I might say, you know, if my father's drinking, say, oh, I'm upset because this is happening and I'm upset because of that happening and trying to carry the burden of other people's choices and other people's situations. And at the same time, not taking, you know, that accountability and responsibility for the actual things that are my problem and that should be on my shoulders and the work that I personally need to do. And I think it's really interesting to try to clarify, okay, which burdens are mine? What, what, what things am I supposed to be dealing with and what things am I supposed to be letting go of? So I imagine that's part of your, your job is to kind of clarify, okay, put this one down. This is theirs, not yours, but guess what? This one is yours. So let's look at it. You know, uh, the biggest question, one of the, the first questions I ask a lot of my clients and, and, and a lot of your listeners can ask themselves this, this question right now is on a scale of one to 10, how fulfilled are you in your life? Right. And so a lot of the times when I'm working with people, and that doesn't mean success, six, you could be a millionaire, you know, you could have multiple businesses that are, that are doing really well, but the question comes from your soul. How fulfilled are you? And when somebody can be really honest and go, well, I'm, I'm like a five, a six, right? And, and that's, that's because they're so spread out. I mean, I had this, this client I started with um, some months back and she's a, she's a mom, she's in the finance world. She, she has two kids, she's married. She wants to become a coach, a meditation instructor, a breathwork instructor. She is, but she wants to make that her full-time gig. And I asked her that question. I said, how fulfilled are you in your life? And she said, like a five. And I asked her, I said, if you're at a five, how much of you are your kids actually getting? Like, and she just, oh God, like, like she's not being the best version of herself for her kids. And, and accepting that is the first step. So once we accept that, and the whole goal is to get you up to it, get them her everyone up to a nine or a 10 so that you are being the best version of yourself. They are being the best version of themselves. And in that you get to give more to your children, more to your spouse, more to your career, more to your health, you all, you know, finances, all of that starts to, to unfold and get better. But, but where are you wasting energy 
in your life. And now we get to start looking at all those areas, the five areas of your life, which is spirituality, however that is for you, personal relationships with yourself and others, uh, financial, um, professional, and uh, physical health and well-being. So those five areas, we look at all of those. Where can we start to make some changes so that the whole being is filled up? And that's that's what we're shooting for is, is getting into that journey and going, all right, we're in this and we're going to learn to dance, not fight. We're going to learn to dance through this next part of our life for the rest of our life. What a beautiful analogy. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about fulfillment then. So mm-hmm. is that kind of a, a, a personal definition? Cause you're asking someone if they're fulfilled. So that means you kind of have to come up with your own answer. And then you talked about those five aspects and those five areas of our lives. And I think Mm -hmm. if we look at each of these areas, I think when something is missing, then that uh, affects our feeling of personal fulfillment or not that. Yes. And we have a kind of a tendency or not we, many people to kind of put life like in a little bento box where, you know, this Mm -hmm. doesn't touch my physical does not touch my emotional or mental and my relationships are over here and work, Mm -hmm. work is a big thing, but it's over here, you know, my money. And so by allowing things to just kind of overlap and realizing all of these aspects are pieces of me and all of them Mm -hmm. matter. And it's not okay to completely ignore this part of my life because I'm concentrating on this part and creating that balance. So love it. Another everything, thing, everything, I mean, everything. <laughs> oh, I saw it. So the other thing that I, that I was picking up on is you were, you were coaching this, this woman who's trying to put things together and your wake up call that you gave to her was what are you have available to give to your children? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we think, you know, uh, what is our motivation? for making this change. It's like, you know, I'm tough and I can handle this. And yes, I'm not fulfilled, but I'm working toward a goal and da, 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 da. And then when you kind of open up the blinders a little bit and realize, do you know what, by not being in a good place that is affecting these people that you care about, all of a sudden things change. I think that can be a motivation also for people who are struggling with things like depression and anxiety. It's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do this. I've got it all by myself. Mm -hmm. And then if someone, you know, says, hey, actually by being where you are, it is affecting the people that you care about, those people around you. Then it puts some responsibility on these shoulders to say, Mm -hmm. I need to fix it. And it's not just about me anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big, big deal. Um, You know, you look at, let's take parenting, for example, and what you just said, you know, if you're constantly, okay, I want to get out of this financial debt I'm in, you know, we'll use that as an example, and you're working and you're working too many jobs, or you're not really maximizing what you could be making somehow, right? And then you come home, you're exhausted, you know, you're reacting to your kids as opposed to parenting your kids, right? Like really tuning in. What do kids want? They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be, they want to be loved, right? When you're constantly combating them, right? Then there's going to be some, some pushback. Are you being the best version of yourself for your children? If that's your biggest motivation, right? So it's, it's taking a step back and looking, going, okay, let's, if my job, goal is to get out of debt or, or, or make more money or build my company to this is, and it's going to take me X amount of years to get there, right? Am I putting up a certain system in place so that I can be a great father, uh, 
husband, wife, whatever it is, in, in that, right? We, we, we look at life through a narrow, a lot of people look at life through a narrow scope without taking the whole big picture. And that's why we want that wheel to turn beautifully. If you're doing one thing that's off in one area of your life, then it's definitely going to have a ripple effect in some other areas. So it's like, let's look at your priorities first. If we can line up your priorities and say, what is the most important thing to you right now? Right. So when we were, when I was, you know, when we first had our first child, you know, my wife was debating whether to go back to work or not. And we watched, um, we watched, uh, we were living in a condo in, in, at the time. And we watched um, our neighbor who had, they both parents worked full-time. He was a, a three-year-old. They had a full-time nanny and the kid lost his little car down a, down a, 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 a elevator shaft. And he was just devastated. And the father and mother were there. It was at night. And he was just crying, crying. And he goes, I want my Carmen. I want my Carmen. In other words, mm. I want my nanny. Right. And again, there's uh, what I'm saying is this is a decision we made for, for us. We said at that moment, my wife and I looked at each other and we go, let's make sure one of us is, the, is going to be in our child's life full time. And, and this is what we want. We want to make sure that, that we are present. We made that decision first and foremost. And if it takes an extra year or two to buy a home, then great, then that's okay. But our children's emotional well-being is the most important and that we're there and we know we get to do the best job with them. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, we still had babysitters and nannies, you know, but we made sure we were the primary focus within their lives. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people... They, they might not um, have that. They, ha they have to work and they have that full-time help. I totally understand that. But is that, are you building that time in to make sure that if parenting is your number one goal, that you are able to be there and give the best version of yourself for them, to them, right? So... <laughs> I love it. I love it. So many aspects of that. One, I love that you made a conscious decision. And I think that that's very beautiful and very important. And then you don't have to second guess yourself because it's always, no, we made this decision that this right. is what's most important. And you put your priorities together. And that is so beautiful. And then not only did you make this conscious decision to be physically mm -hmm. present, but you're also making a conscious decision to be emotionally present. And that right. is beautiful. And that is a gift to your child mm. that cannot be duplicated. It cannot be hired out. It, it, there's there's mm -hmm. nothing that can replace this beautiful thing that you are offering. And it's something, time is a beautiful and amazing commodity because we all yeah. have the same amount, 24 hours in a day, yep. but it's not something we can ever get back. Sometimes mm -hmm. people think, you know what, I'm going to concentrate on my career for a quick 40 years or so, and then I'll have time to, to concentrate yeah. on the children. But by then they're gone and yep. that opportunity has been missed. So how beautiful. And I, ah, I'm loving this. Okay. So you transferred <laughs> from a, a, a coaching, like as in physical fitness right. kind of a mm -hmm. thing. And then you transferred into let's incorporate the whole, whole body. Right at whole mm -hmm. person, every part of us, not just the physical. And you also talk about a modern masculine man. And I would yeah. kind of love to hear about that <laughs> because um, sometimes in society right now, it, men get a bad rap and it's yeah. kind of hard. It's like, can I, am I allowed to be a masculine yeah. man? What, what does that right. look like to be unapologetically 
a masculine man. Yeah. So I would love to hear some insight Mm. about that. So, yes. So like I said, growing up in Boston, we, I, you know, I had, you were surrounded by sports and business and, you know, what is it like to, you got to, you want to be tough and you want to fit in and prove yourself. And I think a lot of men, they are brought up that way, you know, that you need to be at a certain level and show that you're not weak and that you can work harder and, and do all these things. And, and the truth is, I was a really sensitive younger kid, like really sensitive. I would cry at the drop of a hat in elementary school. Teacher would look at me the wrong way. I'd start crying. I mean, to the point where I thought there was something wrong with me and we actually paid for therapy for me, thinking that I was too sensitive because I was in this environment of if you cry, you're weak and therefore you're going to, people are going to take advantage of you. And so I was like, I'm going to bury these feelings and I'm going to build this this body and persona, and I'm going to put this mask on for this, and I'm going to put this armor on for this. And that's how I went through the world. And I played sports and we did really, I was a great athlete and played college sports and, 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 you know, was in business. That was my business. I had a business degree. So I interned at uh, multiple uh, uh, Disney uh, business center, a business intern at Walt Disney world. And then I worked for multiple companies, Xerox and, um, enterprise rent-a-car and medical device sales and so on. And I had this way that I thought I could be. I got these jobs, but there was a certain persona they expected you to have, right, in these corporations. So what was happening, I was just getting my the life sucked out of me. I was getting like, every time I'd be like, why am I so drained? Why am I dreading this? What is wrong? Now, this, those companies are great companies, but for me and my purpose, it wasn't fulfilling what I wanted to do because I was putting on a certain mask that didn't suit with my soul. So cut to um, a, a decade, 15 years ago, you know, I, I was introduced to men's organizations or men's teams. And, you know, if you look back to what society has, you know, we've always had these tribes with men's outings and so on. And we've, and initiations and, and, you know, we've lost this along the way, right. Where, where it was about what was happening within those, 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 the, the true masculine, you know, aspect of, of what it was to be a man. And, and in these teams and organizations, one of the things, there's a lot that went on. There was leadership development. There was weekly team meetings. There was, there was um, weekends, initiation weekend, men's weekends, and, and, and opportunities to grow. A lot of learning and a lot of just sharing and being. And now you had men from all walks of life. But what it taught me was that authenticity requires vulnerability. And vulnerability, you got to lead with courage to get into that right? To truly share what your feelings are, right? Doesn't mean you're going out sharing them with the world in a, in a place that's not safe. But this area, uh, this, these, these meetings, these, this organization that, that I was a part of, and I ended up being chief executive officer of the last couple of years of it, that I was in it, was gave me the insight or the, 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 the ability to, to look at myself. I knew that in those circles, the truth was always going to be given to me, whether I like to hear it or not. Right. And it was, it was coming from a loving way. What's the definition? They were teams. Definition is the team is that you want to win, but we were looking to win in all areas of our life. Right. So showing up and speaking from the heart is something, this, this is a skill 
not a skill. It's, 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 it's our right to be able to do that on a regular basis, but you doing it all the time, there's no turning back. It's like your heart is open and I'm going to share who I am and what I really want to be. And, and, and you have men supporting you in order to do that. So when we talk about what is modern masculine, right? It, we're not talking about sensitive new age type of men, so to speak, right? We're talking about men that understand and have the emotional ability to feel their feelings, right? To, to go through a situation and, and, and say, all right, I'm feeling this. I'm going to sit with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand what it is to grieve. Or, or instead of being angry, I'm going to feel the sadness that exists underneath that, right? Because what is anger? It covers a lot of that sadness or depression or whatever it is, but it's the ability to feel the feels. And, you know, especially when I teach my breathwork classes, that peels the layers right off, like completely allows people to feel their feelings and get to a place within their soul. And it, it relieves stuck energy. And so that energy comes up in forms of whatever, grief, sadness, old trauma that we're putting in our bodies. And this is what we get to now work with. We get to feel these things. We get to be honest about them again in the right settings. Right. But this is where a lot of that freedom comes from. So we're bringing it back to freedom. It's understanding our emotions. And so when we talk about what is modern masculine, right? Modern masculine isn't being this bajillionaire that, that looks like a powerhouse and, and goes around operating in fear. It's about looking at people and, and coming from the right side of your brain and going, oh, I'm going to meet that with compassion. I'm going to be innovative. I'm going to get into the right kind of action, right? As opposed to living in fear, which most people operate in, living in their judge on the left side of the brain, living in that, that control or hypervigilantness of it all. And the whole point is now we get to come from a better place. We get to not only live longer, be happier. We get to be free. We get to do all these beautiful things in our life because we've made a decision to go in, move forward and run towards what we want in life and not making decisions based upon what we don't want in life. And that's where we get to really step into our power. This group that you were a part of sounds mm-hmm. like magical, like unicorns, like there's no way that this sort of thing exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're talking about things like allowing yourself to be authentic, allowing yeah. yourself to feel, allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be, um, what was the other word? Um, to, vulnerable. to feel, yeah, yeah. yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. I couldn't remember if I said mm-hmm. that or not. And these are things that you felt as a child and things that you tried to suppress because you needed to be a man. And actually that is a part of you as a human. And I think it's time to allow men to be human without expecting them to say, oh, actually you're not allowed to feel because you are a man. And actually when you are allowed to be able to feel that helps mm-hmm. us to be able to relate to other people and to be able to communicate. And especially to, if you're in a marriage, in a relationship, if there's a woman involved, guess what? Yeah. She feels and women are allowed to feel. And yeah. sometimes we feel a little bigger than probably should, but um, to be able to relate to that and say, that's okay, because that is a part of me and to feel yeah. safe. I think that is a beautiful amount of freedom. So I quite like your definition of a modern masculine man. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, you say that and uh, kind of giving me chills a little with this because 
this has been a big part of, you know, I've been married going on 16 years and together for 18 years, you know, this, if, if, if your goal is to be a better partner, right. If, if, you know, it is with, you know, whatever type of relationship you're in, you know, there's a masculine and a feminine balance. There's a polarity that exists within that. Right. And to have that masculine and feminine, whatever it is, man, woman, whatever, there's, there's, there's that aspect of it. And to be able to let go and hold that space and understand what the feminine is going through. If we're talking masculine, it's, it's, it's integrating our own feminine to a certain degree. It's understanding our feelings. It's, it's, it's allowing those things to go. And in turn, we're able to see our partner in a much more uh, open way. And, and the polarity, that chemistry, right? At that point, if that's what you're looking for, becomes much more powerful because you can hold that container to let her go and do what she needs to do to be the woman she wants to be or deserves to be. But some men don't know how to hold that container. And then the woman isn't fully able to express herself. Right. And, and vice versa. It's, it's, it's both. It's, it's, it's finding that sense within yourself, finding that balance within yourself so that you're able to give that you're able to communicate, you're able to have compassion, you're able to understand and men not try to fix a situation, just Ooh. understand a situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go on with that one for a while. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I'm seeing that we're coming back to again and again and again is that the first step that we need to take if we're talking about uh, our business, if we're talking about our relationship, if we're talking about any of these aspects, it begins with ourselves and being in that healthy, whole, free place. And then that helps us to be able to then interact with, with our spouse, with our partner, with our mm. business, with our whatever, in a healthy, beautiful way. Right. So thank you for all the wisdom that you've shared. And thank you for sharing your time with me today. It's been fantastic. Of course. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed talking to you. It has been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Harbhajan Singh Yogi. He said, your mind, emotions, and body are instruments. And the way you align and tune them determines how well you will play life. Today, I invite you to align and tune your mind, emotions, and body so you can become your best self and enjoy a free and successful life. See you next time on Linda's Corner. 